The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a show that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview a high-profile public figure. In each show, I also highlight an exceptional company, organization, charity, or even an individual that does great work in the community. After the headlines, I have an interview with Congresswoman Norma Torres, so stay tuned. The Blunt Post with Vic. Here are the latest COVID-19 numbers, starting with worldwide. Uh, There have been 4.06 million cases. 1.39 people have recovered, and 280,000 people have died from COVID-19. In terms of the U.S., We've had 1,350,000 cases, 202,000 people have recovered, and there have been 80,186 deaths. In California, we've had 64,561 cases, and 2,678 people have died. Here are some headlines from over the weekend as well as this morning. Uh, Several top Trump administration officials on Sunday continued to predict dire Depression-era unemployment numbers for the month of May, days after the official U.S. jobless rates surged for the month of April amid the coronavirus crisis. On Friday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the U.S. economy lost 20.5 million jobs in April with the unemployment rate reaching 14.7% that month. A new Monmouth University poll finds that the former Vice President Joe Biden leads President Trump 50% to 41%. Eight Southern California Indian tribes have told Governor Newsom they plan to begin reopening their casinos May 18th, even as the governor pleads with businesses for patience on starting the economy back up. The chairs of eight gaming tribes in San Diego County laid out their plans to reopen casinos with the knowledge that we can maintain and protect the public health and welfare and, if required, scale back if local conditions develop or warrant. They announced their plans in a letter Friday to Newsom and Greg Cox, chairman of the San Diego County Board of Supervisors. And also, uh, similar to Indian casinos in San Diego, moving quickly, El Dorado County leaders have sent documentation to Governor Newsom saying they're ready to reopen restaurants, stores, and some offices and shopping malls immediately as part of the governor's regional variance program that allows counties lightly hit by coronavirus to open earlier than the rest of the state. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. For today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to talk about the Ahmad Arbery case in Georgia. If 
some of you have not followed the story. It is about a young black man who was chased while he was jogging in a Georgia neighborhood by a white father and son. He was chased and gunned down and killed, and the entire thing was caught on video. The video went viral, but what's disturbing is that it took over two months for the authorities to arrest this father and son. After community outrage, media attention, outcry by the family and supporters. And it just is very troubling to think that it would have to take so much for a simple arrest after two months. And how many of these cases have come and gone? How many people have been victimized where there was no video, there were no witnesses perhaps, and justice was never served? It's traumatic enough for a family to, to lose their young son, but to have to ha spend so much energy over two months just to see a, an arrest be made when there is a video that's caught the entire thing, uh, that's really scary. And I learned that Georgia has no hate protection laws, and, and that's astronomical. This is 2020, and we are still talking about this, and to have no hate crime protection in Georgia or any state, it's just astronomical. So although it's sometimes uncomfortable and we don't want to talk about it, we have to get blunt that we continue to have these racial issues and we cannot sweep it under the rug. So let's just get blunt about it. Let's get blunt. Congresswoman Norma Torres represents California's 35th congressional district in the Inland Empire, which includes Bloomington, Chino, Fontana, Montclair, Ontario, Pomona, and Rialto. She previously served as a state senator, assembly member, and as mayor and council member in the city of Pomona. Now on her third term, Congresswoman Torres currently serves on the powerful House Appropriations and Rules Committee, the Appropriations Committee is responsible for appropriating all federal spending, domestic and abroad. As a member of the Rules Committee, she helps determine the consideration of all legislation on the House floor. Hi, Dick. How are you doing? I am well, Congresswoman. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. Please be healthy. We we need you. We need you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great. I'm very grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you. Uh, I really appreciate it. I was just reading about you and very impressed about some of your very direct and not editing and missing words press releases. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> I love that. That's one of the things I like about East Coast, especially New Yorkers, you know. It's yeah, right. 
not a lot of fluff. It's just a reality. So before I go into some of more specific questions about your district and, and some of your initiatives, uh, just from your perspective as a member of Congress, uh, you have a unique perspective, perspective, obviously. Where are we today since things changed so quickly? Where are we today with COVID-19? Uh, how do you feel as to where we are? So, you know, from the California perspective, I, I, feel, I feel good about, you know, where, where we, we are with adhering to, you know, policies that have come from um, Governor Newsom and, and local policies. I don't feel good about um, the, the climate changing, um, you know, per se, the weather changing, mm. and how that is impacting, you know, decisions from the general public. You know, people are getting that, that summer fever to, you know, want to get outside and want to use things. Um, and the greatest parents, you know, on earth, I think they're a little frustrated, you know, with being, having to be inside, you know, with their kids uh, 24-7. You know, we, we, we always say that we love spending time with our children, but when we have to be their parent, their teacher, their best friend, and their playmate, you know, causes other problems and concerns. So I understand the frustration, so I, I'm feeling a little bit uneasy about um, the general public and, uh, abiding, you know, by the, the local and state rules and regulations from the federal government. It's been a, a mixed bag of, you know, this is what we're doing today and the next hour we're doing something different, very mixed messages. And, and I don't think that that, you know, is helpful as, as we're dealing with the type of pandemic that we are dealing with. You are listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. This is your host, Vic Jaramie, and my interview with Congresswoman Norma Torres. Yeah, I talked about that on my uh, last week's show about the confusion, regardless of how carefully uh, and closely you, you monitor everything and you watch information coming out of D.C. and coming out of the White House. You know, as you said, it's so inconsistent. It's so erratic. One doesn't really know uh, what is happening. It's very frustrating. Uh, I keep saying this, that we're lucky to have leadership. California's leadership is, is exceptional. We're lucky to have members of Congress like yourself and, of course, Gav- Governor Newsom and uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti. Um, I was, however, a little bit surprised when <laughs> uh, Governor Newsom announced that we're going to be opening last week. And yeah, I know, me too. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot happening behind the scenes. There's a lot of pressure for that. And it's hard to really assess where this is going to go and if it's we're going to see another spike again, and hopefully not. And, and that's our, our biggest concern. And, you know, um, I was on a call with the California delegation, the bipartisan call that we had, um, with the governor, and there was a lot of pushback, you know, primarily from um, Republican members of Congress that, you know, the governor allowed for some other counties and more rural areas and, and businesses to open up again. Now, you know, California is so big and and, and, and so diverse in, in, in its counties, right, <clears throat> with 58 counties, uh, um, that we have, they're, they're very, very diverse. Um, 
you know, it's population wise. Just looking at San Bernardino County, we have right. both, you know, rural and um, very metropolitan, you know, type cities and suburbs and, and, and the like. So, in, in, in a way, yes, you know, we need, do need some leniency, um, but I don't think that we should hold to the pressure of the political plan, right? <laughs> because I feel very strongly about protecting our constituents. I feel very strongly, specifically, about protecting seniors and children. Um, you know, the governor seems to have changed his mind a little bit after so many uh, protesters came and descended on the, on, on the state capitol in Sacramento. Um, it was disappointing to see that our own CHP officers were not wearing protective gear, as in masks or anything like that. And they were, <laughs> the protesters were allowed to be in their face to the extent that they were. Um, so that was unnerving um, that there was, there seemed to be no real control as to how, how to address that crowd, right, <laughs> that descended on, on our capital um, and, and that have been protesting in our beaches and, and the type. That comes directly from, you know, the messages that our president is sending, uh, wow. unfortunately. Um, you know, it, on the one hand, he says, he set us free, you know, it's our liberty. And on the other hand, you know, he says, you know, this is a deadly virus and uh, you can't put out those types of mixed messages because people will always hear only what they want to hear. Right. And if they're desperate to go outside, then that's the only message that they're going to hear, unfortunately. Absolutely. And even even the the president and some of the governors, like Governor of Mississippi, they've had to, they've gone back and forth. It's even even they're not consistent with their misinformation and their mishandlings. Let's not go down that road. It's there's so much you can point yeah. out. It's frustrating. I do want to concentrate on some of the initiatives that you have, um, sure. such as uh, calling for the next COVID nineteen stimulus package to include uh, survival benefits and uh, yeah. you know for the compensation uh, and workplace protections for medical personnel who are uh, affected by COVID nineteen. So if you can tell okay. us a little bit about that. So, you know, just like, um, you know, everyone in the community um, are concerned about this virus and how, you know, fast it's spread throughout our country and our, in, within our communities, um, we are asking our medical personnel, you know, to show up, up you know, in, in the trenches and, and you know, we're, we're demanding that they go to the front lines and deal with, uh, with people that are highly um, infected. Uh, with this disease and care for them. Um, we have failed miserably at, pro uh, at helping to provide the necessary protective equipment that they need. Um, I see it firsthand, you know, my daughter-in-law is a nurse, uh, my son's girlfriend is a nurse, my sister is a nurse, and um, they have had to deal with this in a very unique way. You know, um, in, in, in all three households, they have set up a, an area where they take, remove all of their clothes, you know, where, where they disinfect themselves um, and, and, and have all their personal hygiene 
products there to ensure that they're not bringing any of that into the house. Lucky for them, you know, there are no, you know, very young children or elderly people living in those households. So, you know, their families are, are protected. Yeah, you know, my daughter-in-law, my son is a cop, so they're both in very high-risk right. schools. Um, you know, my other son, you know, he lives with, with his girlfriend and, you know, they're both in the medical field. So, you know, this, they're dealing with it from that perspective, but still being very careful um, to not infect their household where they, where they live. Um, now, let's balance that with people that have very young children. Uh, many of them are single parents. And, um, you know, it isn't fair that they have had to quarantine themselves in hotels or have to pay rent in a different household because they cannot afford to risk bringing, you know, this disease home with them to infect their elderly parents or to infect their very young children. And I don't think that we should be asking of these professionals to have to pay and bear the cost of dealing with with, uh, this uh, disease. And on the other hand, um, you know, for my my son's girlfriend, she has, you know, a son that is, you know, 13 years old, and and I have, I'm looking at him, and and he scares to death every day that his mom, you know, leaves for, you know, for work. She is thinking about Who's going to take care of, of my child? He's a preteen. He's going into some very difficult years. Um, if something happens to me, who's going to care for my child? And, you know, I don't know about you, but if I am in a hospital bed, you know, on a ventilator, I want my nurse to be thinking about ways to help me breathe and live another hour. I don't want my nurse to be thinking about, is she going to die? Who's gonna care for her child? Because that's a distraction. We want them 100% focused on their job. We want them to give more than 100% when they're at work. And with those expectations come a price. And I think that the price here is to guarantee them that when we send them to war, like we send our military personnel to war, um, you know, the hospital room that they are going to responding to is a, a battlefield for them, a battlefield of germs that could kill them. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yes, therefore we should prepare them um, and give them not only the equipment to protect themselves, but a guarantee that their families are going to be taken care of because we want them focused 100% on caring for their their patients and not on their personal problems. Yeah, at the minimum, you know, it should be all engines go with protecting, taking care of medical personnel so that, um, you know, they're taking care of the rest of us with, you know, we have to do it financially and in every possible way. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So thank you for, yeah, go ahead. They, they, um, you know, some people feel like, well, they know what they're getting into. You know, these are professionals. Uh, they study for this. They, they know about diseases. They know about, you know, infectious diseases. And, and yes, just like 
you know, when my son signed up to, you know, go into the Air Force, um, you know, he knew very well that at any time he could be deployed to Afghanistan, you know, or to serve, you know, anywhere around the world. But he also knew, you know, that there would be, you know, lifetime benefits, you know, for his wife should that something happen to him. And I think that we need to be looking at, uh, of this pandemic and in the, in, in the professionals around working around this pandemic in the same way we look at our military personnel when we send them to a war. Yeah, and not that um, the actual soldiers uh, benefit from this, but the military right. industrial complex <laughs> yeah. is very um, profitable. Therefore, uh, they get all the attention that they need, but uh, medical personnel... You know, who cares? You are listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. This is your host, Vic Jaramie, and my interview with Congresswoman Norma Torres. And look how much taxpayer dollars have gone to help our hospitals deliver care and our clinics to deliver care. Um, none of that is going, you know, to help, um, you know, in survival, to pay for survival benefits, you know, for the people that we are losing who are, you know, working in the front lines of this pandemic. Yeah, well said, Congresswoman. Um, I also want to mention uh, your efforts for virtual naturalization ceremonies. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a naturalized citizen. I don't know if you know that. Um, it was that, you know, for me going, you know, driving from, you know, my home city of Pomona, you know, to downtown LA to participate in a ceremony with, you know, hundreds um, of other people and taking an oath, you know, to um, protect and defend, you know, my country, the only country that I, that I, that I you know, truly know um, and I care so much about, that is a moment of pride. Unfortunately, we are not able to provide that to the many, you know, 100,000 plus people that are waiting, you know, to take that final step. And uh, and I don't think that we should be denying them of of that final step. It is is something that we can, you know, fix by allowing for virtual ceremonies to happen. Um, In my case, you know, if, if I had been able to do it virtually, maybe I would have been able to have, you know, my, my my very, very young son at the time, you know, stand with me and, and maybe my husband, you know, um, because when, when you go into those ceremonies, you cannot bring any family member. It's only the person, you know, right. being, um, taking the oath that is able to, um, to attend. So I think, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that we should allow this pandemic, um, to rob, you know, these, Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense because by the time someone who's becoming a naturalized citizen is about to take their oath, all the legal paperwork and all the checking and rechecking has been done. They've gone through an interview. They've taken a test. Now this is just a ceremony so that they can finalize their naturalization. And I would think that a virtual ceremony would be pretty simple because they already have everyone at the last stage. 
It's just a matter of doing, you know, Zoom or a similar sort of a site, government controlled, right. and, and bringing a judge. Pretty and simple and cost-saving when, when you think about, you know, you don't have to rent you know, a massive, you know, hall to bring in all those people. Right. Uh, you know, to have to clean up after them, you know, if, if we're truly going to abide by, you know, um, all of all of the guidelines while we're dealing with this pandemic. I think it is it is a way to help the final step. You know, they've already signed, um, you know, the, uh, uh, an oath uh, by the time they get to this step and, you know, that the government already has. Um, it, they, they signed it several times as they move from, from, from one step to the next, you know, pledging allegiance, you know, to our nation. Um, so the final step, again, is, is a simple ceremony. If we're conducting weddings, you know, and allowing people to, to be able to get a, a, a permit for marriage, if, if the Supreme Court is now holding hearings, if we're hearing people flushing the toilet, my God, you're telling me that we cannot, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, we cannot hold a virtual ceremony, um, for this final step to allow people to check that box. And, um, and should they be infected with coronavirus, you know, die um, as, as they would, you know, as they feel, uh, you know, legally a proud citizen of the United States. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, thank you, Congresswoman. I want to talk about the rise of COVID-19 cases in prisons across the state, and uh, that's something that you've also brought attention to, which is not a very sexy topic, if you will, but uh, we've had our prison system, which has become privatized and it's a big industrial complex, has had problems before COVID-19, and now we're seeing uh, our prison population being neglected. Right. It is, um, it is really unfortunate. I, I think if there were some lessons learned, you know, during the last um, um, pandemic of H, you know, the, the flu H1N1, if you recall that. Right. I, I, served, I served in the state legislature during that time. And, you know, I, I represent um, uh, Chino Prison is in, in my district. Um, at that time, we, we had a juvenile um, uh, detention center adjacent to that, and I saw how difficult it was and how easily um, a, a a disease like this could spread, you know, within within our prison population. And I think that you know there are those people that um, that may not care anything about the inmates, um, but I would say even if you don't care about the inmate, you really need to care about your own community. Um, because there are, um, right now, you know, the, the prisons have contracts with our local hospitals to care, to provide um, health care to these inmates. Now, how inmates get transferred um, to a hospital bed and how they are cared for at a hospital, it requires a lot of manpower. Um, you know, unlike uh, you and I, to go to a hospital and, 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 and be, you know, on a bed, ventilator and all that, uh, an inmate would require security to stand with them at all times. Right. Um, so we have to think about, you know, all of that. We have to think about all of the, 
the potential um, spreads that are happening, um, not just you know with the inmates, but also with with my constituents that are working at the prison, the prison guards, and in how they and their families are being exposed, you know, to this virus because of the infection rate, you know, has gone, in, you know, 357 guards and inmates um, alone at the California Institution for Men here in Chino. Mm-hmm. It has the highest spread, you know, in the entire state. The federal prisons, as you stated, um, you know, are in private hands, and, and there, uh, I, I'm very much against property um, to, you know, take away someone's freedom. Um, I think that is, you know, really, really disgusting. Um, so when you are working to make a profit, you have a business that is working towards making a profit, you're not necessarily focused on, you know, welfare and, and health care um, of, of people. You're focused on your profit. That is, that is you know, why you are in business. Right. Um, so I think that we have to be extra careful, and this is one area that um, we have missed, and we need to focus more of our, our, of our attention. We wrote a letter, and, um, and we're asking for a plan. Um, you know, not only from the federal government, but also uh, we've CC'd um, the state of California and asked Governor Gavin Newsom to also look at it and, and to prepare a plan um, to deal with the spread and to deal with the care. And hopefully we can deal with the care of these inmates um, within the four walls of the prison. If, if we can set up camps, you know, in, a, in convention centers and and, uh, you know, in parking lots, we certainly can do that um, to help care for these inmates within, within those, um, those prisons. Indeed. Indeed. Um, uh, thank you, Congresswoman. You are listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. This is your host, Vic Jaramie, and my interview with Congresswoman Norma Torres. Uh, I just want to, there's so many things that you're working on, obviously, and uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about other initiatives, bills, and things happening even specifically in your district that are important right now. Yeah, um, you know, because there's so much going on um, right now with with COVID-19 and and our economy, you know, being at a standstill, my focus has has been in dealing with um, and connecting our small business community and and our displaced and unemployed workers to, you know, the programs that that have been funded and created through the last CARES program uh, to ensure that they're getting those, those, those benefits. I represent a district that is very um, uh, diverse with uh, mixed status families, right? Um, you know, children are maybe U.S. born, parents may be legal uh, residents, um, but grandma might be still undocumented. And you know how what that means to a community like mine. It, it, you know it, it it means that grandma may not be able to get. Um, the type of, uh, of health care that she may need. Grandma may not feel comfortable enough to, to walk into a clinic and get tested for coronavirus or get health care. So those are some of the things that I've been working on to ensure that our constituents are not afraid um, you know, to seek medical 
um, testing and, and, and care should be needed during this time, and that workers don't feel pressure to go to work um, if they feel that they are sick or they have been um, around someone who you know has been infected with COVID-19 or may have to care for for a child that has been displayed from the school because of school closure. Those are you know, really, really big issues that we're dealing with here. Um, and just looking at uh, food banks anywhere in the country, really, but in my district specifically, you know, we have had food banks that have completely run out of uh, out of food. Um, wow. The lines are so long. And uh, ensuring that those federal dollars that are being sent, you know, to these organizations, are, are actually reaching uh, my constituents. And in the next package, I wanna make sure that we have enough money for testing. So counties like San Bernardino County that is still very much rural county is able to get you know, the, the, the number of tests that we need in order to feel confident about reopening our economy. Yeah, absolutely. The food banks running out of food, that's just, um, it's so upsetting. You know, you just think, People, you know, nobody wants to go to a food bank, and no. a lot of people have to, and that's okay. And for food banks to run out of food, it just sort of breaks your heart. I know. Yeah. I know. My husband drove through a food bank to pick up a box for a neighbor, an elderly neighbor, and uh, you know, he said it was really efficient driving through it, but you know, the lines were long. There were, you know, cars full of, you know, with parents and their kids, and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you know, to see the suffering that is happening, especially because we targeted uh, immigrants, right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the president targeted immigrants um, so that they they don't get the the relief that you know um, the rest of us are able to get. And, and, and even for those who are uh, married to a legal resident simply because they're filing a joint, you know, tax and they're married to somebody who isn't a, um, a citizen yet, um, you know, they weren't able to get that $1,200. That's another reason why we need to make sure that these um, ceremonies happen because we don't want to leave anyone out. We don't want to leave somebody who we are depending on, you know, to recover our economy as a worker um, in any of, of, of the fields that, you know, we're demanding them to either go to work or, or to be able to be taxpaying uh, taxpayers in the near future. We need them yeah. um, here. So we should be we should be helping them during this most um, difficult time that they're facing in, in, in their lives. Um, but I think that's, that's all, Vic. It's been a pleasure talking <laughs> to you. You too, Congresswoman. Thank you for that. Uh, before we part, is there any anything else you want to share with our listeners or call to action? Um, no, I think that we... we um, well, yes, I do. But it, that is the census. We still, we still need you to uh, fill out your census. Um, you know, our, our local your cities, your hospitals, your, your libraries um, need you to be counted. So I hope that everyone takes this opportunity to log on to the census website and, uh, and fill out those questionnaires. It took me really less than five minutes to do. Indeed. Thank you very much, Congresswoman Torres, for being on the Blunt Post with 
Vic. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. That was Congresswoman Norma Torres, who is fighting the good fight for her constituents and all Americans. Thank you, Congresswoman. The Blunt Post with Vic. Today I'm featuring and interviewing actress and singer Candace Dillard from The Real Housewives of Potomac about uh, her work with the DC Education Equity Fund. Candace Dillard is a former Miss United States 2013 and graduate of Howard University. She served a tenure in the White House Offices of Public Engagement and Intergovernmental Affairs and later served as a staffer for President Obama's 2012 re-election campaign. As an entrepreneur, she is the founder and CEO of Candace Dillard Pageant Consulting, co-founder of Prima Hair Collection by Candace Dillard, and co-owner of Chateau Salon Suites. Candace is best known for being a cast member on Bravo TV's hit show, The Real Housewives of Potomac. Candace recently partnered with the DC Education Equity Fund, a nonprofit that focuses on helping DC's most vulnerable students transition to distant learning during the COVID-19 pandemic. In three weeks, this organization raised over $2 million with 1 million given directly to the schools. She wanted to further that success by donating proceeds from the sale of her single, I See You, to help families that cannot afford the proper equipment for effective distant learning instruction. So Candace, thank you very much for joining me on The Blunt Post with Vic. Uh, How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. I think I'm like everybody else in these crazy times, just trying to stay sane and yeah, absolutely. How are you doing personally? Your family, uh, work, you do a lot of different things. How's all of that sort of figuring out? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. My family is uh, great. We have been lucky that no one in my immediate family or in my extended family has uh, had any serious bouts with coronavirus. I did have one cousin who uh, did uh, get the virus, but she recovered and she is uh, doing well now. Uh, We're keeping a close eye on all of our, our, our elders and kind of keeping them you know, out of the public, keeping them protected, and they're doing well so far. Um, and as far as you know, work and business, I have just been, I think like everybody, I've been trying to find balance in how much time I spend uh ingesting the media and, you know, uh, how much time I spend on Instagram and on social media platforms, uh, taking in everything from every angle, uh, trying to uh, find that, that intersection between how much news to take in and then how much time I should be spending trying to maintain some level of normalcy. Right. So it's, it's a, every, it's, every day is different. You know, every day we have statistics and new updates from our administration, from the CDC, from uh, bloggers, and, you know, the he said, she said of it all, so it's, it's just, uh, 
it's, it's different every day. It's, it's truly unprecedented. So we're, we're kind of learning as we go. Yeah. Don't you wish you had your old boss in charge in D.C.? President Obama. <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, you said it first, but yes. I am. It's called the blunt post for a reason. Oh, very good. Okay, so I, I will do my best to be blunt. Awesome. You know, we, I, one of my best friends who became my best friend when we worked together in the Obama White House, we, uh, we talk every day and we have this conversation daily about how, how different uh, the political climate would look and how different the, uh, we believe how different uh, the, the death toll and these, these numbers of cases mm-hmm. just in the U.S. would look if we were under a different uh, administration. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, for the most part, we don't have much of a leadership, so it's adding to people's stress and uh, the yeah. uncertainty and confusion yeah. and, and all of that. And, and I hear you about keeping the balance because it's, it's too much and we're all learning to do one, one day at a time and make the best of it and uh, move on. But you've definitely made the best of your time and you're giving back. Uh, I, I know that uh, aside from being one of the stars on uh, on Bravo's The Real Housewives of uh, Potomac. You are also a singer, and uh, you you just released a new single, I See You, and you are giving back. So I'm going to stop there and let you tell us about that. <laughs> yes, so I, uh, just a little backstory. So the I See You remix is a remix of what was originally a an R&B ballad Mm-hmm. that I wrote for my husband when we got married. I knew that I wanted to write and perform a song for him at our wedding. And I, uh, I have an amazing group of friends who are so talented and so involved in the music industry. So I went to them and we uh, worked together to uh, create this song. And... Um, and I was able to record it and perform it as a surprise with Chris, my husband Chris, at our wedding. And then after the song was released, the original song was released, my husband was actually, you know, passing it out to anybody who would listen. And it got to the hands of a radio host, a radio DJ named DJ Iron at WHUR, which is uh, an amazing um, station was actually located on the campus of my alma mater, Howard University. Um, and Iron loved the song so much and felt that it, it had uh, something in it, and he passed it along to his friend, Chucky Thompson, who, if you've ever listened to Mary J. Blige's My Life album... Of course. Me, yes. Faith uh, Evans or Usher, Nas, Biggie, Chucky Thompson was with Bad Boy when Bad Boy was really, you know, cranking out uh, really the soundtrack to our lives in the 90s. Right. And uh, he loved my song, which was crazy to me. Um, And he wanted to to work together. We were having a meeting about how we could move forward and how we could collaborate. And I mentioned that um, it was really important to me that I be able to do a go-go song at some point. 
And if you're not familiar with go-go music, um, it is officially now the official music of D.C. It's always been the unofficial music of D.C., but they, they have, there's been recent uh, legislation in D.C. and uh, petitions signed to get go-go music to be the official music of D.C. because it was born here. Um, and it's, it's, go-go is sort of a combination of uh, that New Jack swing sound um, with conga, drums, and cowbells. And if you, everyone has heard it. They just maybe don't know that they've right. heard go-go music. But it's got right. a funk sound, New Jack swing sound. Um, and it, when I moved to D.C., it, was, it had a profound impact on uh, the way that I saw the city. And I moved here in 2005 to attend Howard University. And D.C. really, it was an integral part in helping me to, you know, figure out who I wanted to be. It made me scrappy and savvy and smart. And uh, my way of wanting to show D.C. how much I loved the city was to do a go-go song. And when I mentioned this to Chucky, he said, well, why don't we just turn your ballad into a go-go song? And I said, okay, let's do that. And he waved his magic wand and put his, I, I say, he put his stank on it and made it into the go-go song that it is, that it is today. Um, okay. And and now it's, it's available, download on all streaming services, all, all platforms. You're listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. I'm your host, Vic Jaramie, and my interview with actress and singer, Candace Dillard from The Real Housewives of Potomac and about the D.C. Education Equity Fund. And a portion of the cells is uh, benefiting the D.C. Education Equity Fund, correct? Yes. So the story behind that is, you know, I've been kind of waiting to release the song and like everybody had their plans derailed because of coronavirus. Right. Uh, I, I was unsure about releasing it now because we are in unprecedented times and there are so many people suffering, people losing loved ones. Uh, so I knew that if I was going to release it now, I wanted to do it in a way that was sensitive to what everyone is going through, what everybody is dealing with. And it made sense to partner with an organization in D.C. because my song is a love song to D.C. Um, and my the way that I came up with wanting to partner with D.C. Education Equity Fund, my little sister is an educator in the D.C. public school system, as are many of my friends, and I've heard from them secondhand how difficult it has been for their kids to transition from school to this distance learning that they've had to do. Um, it's, and in, in the D.C. area, um, many of the students who attend school in D.C.P.S. come from low-income, single-parent households, uh, underprivileged households, and they're already struggling as is, you know, having the resources that they do have in school. Um, so to have to transition from uh, the little bit that they get at school to having to be home where they may not get that those two meals or those three meals that they get at school, they may not, you know, have that access to internet and other resources that we take for granted now that everyone has to be at home. So the DC Education Equity Fund uh, was started specifically to help families and students in DC affected by COVID-19. And it just made sense for me to partner with them because of the amazing work they're doing, 
the amount of money they've raised, they've raised over $2 million since March 24th. Wow. And their goal was to get over $3 million, and I wanted to help with that. So my ask is that you download my phone, and 15% of the proceeds for the first two weeks of my sales will be going to the D.C. Education Equity Fund. I'm also asking that um, please buy my song, but in addition to that, you can donate independently. You can go to dcedfund.org and donate there on your own. $50 is enough to provide a Wi-Fi hotspot to uh, one family. And you know how important Wi-Fi is in our day and age and we right. take it for granted. Um, so if you can help out in that way, I ask that you do. Fantastic. I'm glad you mentioned those uh, URLs because I was going to ask you. So uh, it's dcedfund.org, correct? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And I'm sure your your single can be downloaded from multiple sources, but just give us a few so our listeners sort of know exactly where to go. Yes. So my song is available on all streaming platforms. So Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play. Spotify, Tidal, Amazon Music. Okay. All the big ones. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. And I would love to uh, play uh, your song for our listeners. Oh, yay. Yeah, I'm going to at the end of the show. Do I have your blessing? Absolutely. The only require that you listen to it, you dance. Oh, sweet. That's good. We all need a little bit of a little bit of joy and dance right now. And as you said, people can go directly to uh, DC Educational Equity Fund's website, um, as mentioned, if they want to contribute more. Um, and uh, before we go, for your fans and such, uh, what's happening with the show? Is there, you know, sort of a wait and see for picking up the taping of it? Yes. So uh, we have been pushed back. The Real Housewives of Potomac has been pushed back. The summer. Uh, when we first got the news, we were just as shocked as jaws were on the floor because we had already received an air date. Uh, so to then be told by our network that they're they're pushing us back was definitely a shock to us. However, uh, we do have good reasons. So as you know, coronavirus has disrupted everything. Yeah. Uh, many shows that were on Bravo that were in production uh, had to shut down those productions. Um, and that significantly has thrown a wrench in uh, the shows that were going that were set to be put into programming later in the year. So because several shows don't have a production date to even you know get things shot and then get them into post and get them edited and then get them um, slated for uh, for an air date, we've had to they've had to shift a lot of things around. Um, and because our show uh, has such a, a huge following and, you know, we are so highly anticipated, uh, they trust that our show, uh, all of our followers and all of our audience engage and, uh, and really take us into the summer and the fall months uh, within, the, within the network. Awesome. And I'm sure everyone is looking forward to that. Um, Candice, thank you very much. You've been a delight. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And, uh, I appreciate your time as well. Yeah, and I'm going to play your song uh, as we wrap the show later. All right. Well, I, I can't wait to, to 
see what everybody thinks of it. It's, it truly is my love song uh, to my husband and to DC, and it's, I want it to be the song of the summer, so I hope that you enjoy it and, and that it brings you some distraction and some joy in these crazy times. Amen to that. Thank you, yeah. Candace. Good luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And be safe and well. You as well. Bye-bye. Well, that was reality TV star and singer Candace Dillard, who's using her platform and celebrity to give back to the DC community. Thank you, Candace. For today's quote, I was planning on reading you the entire longer version of President Obama's quote about the Trump administration's response to COVID-19, in which he said that uh, their response has been an absolute chaotic disaster. But then on Friday, my father died uh, from pneumonia after having been ill for a very long time. And so I wanted to pay tribute to him and salute him with uh, what a quote, uh, something that he used to say all the time. And um, I think perhaps maybe my, my work ethic comes from him. He, he would say, hard work never killed anyone. My dad was a very, it was an exceptional, extraordinary human being. At 16 years old, although he was an excellent student and dreamt of pursuing mathematics uh, and going to university, he was forced to drop out of school because his father died. And at 16 years old, he had eight younger siblings that he had to take care of. So he went to work, worked 10, 12 hour days, seven days a week so he could raise his uh, younger siblings, put them through school, get them married, help them start businesses, buy their own homes. And so he was well-respected as the patriarch of his family. And um, he died on Friday. So just want to pay tribute to my uh, extraordinary father. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer Ricky Herrera and uh, of course thank you for joining me for another episode of the Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami. Uh, both Instagram and Twitter my handle is at Vic Jarami. That's V-I-C G-E-R-A-M-I. And uh, for closing, I'm going to leave you with Candace Dillard's new single, I See You. Got you.
we going through in life. You always be my baby, we for life. Yeah. Yeah. 